Today we're continuing a series titled, Make Healthier Homes. And specifically today, we are going to talk about making healthier homes financially. Why are we talking about getting healthier? Some of you will remember the beginning of the year where I really felt God said this is going to be the best year ever. And it's going to be the best year ever because we are going to get healthier in a number of different areas. And this is just one of them here that we're working on through this series called Make Healthier Homes. Making healthier homes financially, I believe one of the first things to have a healthy home financially is that you need to have a healthy financial plan. You see, a plan helps you go where you want to go. There's a saying, those who fail to plan are actually planning to fail. Let me say that again. Those who fail to plan are actually planning to fail. Without a plan and a direction and steps to get there, you likely won't get there. If you decide you're going to go on a long road trip and you have zero plan, you may leave Slave Lake with an eighth of a tank of gas and you are not going to get anywhere. Well, you will get somewhere, but anyways, you'll be out there in the bush somewhere. Okay, so a plan matters. Your finances are really an important part of life. I think we all know that. We know that at the end of the month when all the bills come due. Do you have a plan? Proverbs 23 verse 5 says this, In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. Wealth disappears, and we don't know what happened to it, and here's this saying of it seems like it just flew away. That is a sure sign, if that's how you feel about your wealth, that you don't have a plan. If you have no clue where it went, you don't have a budget, or what we like to call it, a plan. A spending plan, telling your money where to go, knowing where your money went. That's what a plan is for, and it's healthy. Proverbs 21.20 says this, Wise people live in wealth and luxury. But stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. Yeah, I'm not sure I should use the good news translation. That's really rough, isn't it? You're like, did he just call me stupid? No, 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 no. Anyhow, this version, some versions use the word fool. This version apparently uses the word stupid. So I looked up the definition. It means lacking intelligence or common sense. In other words, common sense says that we shouldn't just spend it as fast as we make it. We should have a plan. We should have wisdom. And as you see the beginning of that verse, wisdom or the wise live in wealth and luxury. Did you know the key to being financially healthy is wisdom? Yeah. They're like, well, is it you know, how much I pray or how much faith I have? No, it's wisdom. That's why someone who knows absolutely nothing about God, doesn't even care about God, can be really wealthy because they have wisdom in the area of finance. Finance is a tool. Having more finance doesn't make you more godly. Did you know that? It's not a sign of your godliness. It's a sign that you have wisdom how to deal with finances. That's it. And God says, get wisdom, and I'm telling you the beginning of wisdom with finances is having a spending plan. Whew, this is deep, isn't it? Some of you are like, what? It's okay. 
I would like to say my wife and I are getting healthier in our finances, but it's been a lot of years. I had zero wisdom about finances when we first got married. And now I have a little more, but zero. <laughs> Maybe some of you remember those days. You know, I just didn't have a clue. But thankfully, wisdom comes when we want to learn and grow in a certain area. And if you want to learn and grow in finances, you will gain wisdom. Psalm 112 verse 5 says, A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. So we're still talking about having a plan here. If you want to have enough to be able to lend and be gracious, you're going to need to guide your affairs or have a plan. Did you notice that? Guides his affairs with discretion. That means he has an honest plan. Discretion has the idea of, I have a plan and it's honest and upright. In other words, you can't create a finance plan that includes stealing, you know, winning the lottery, ripping somebody off, okay? You can't. That's not discretion. It could be a plan, but it's not a plan for a believer, okay? So a wise plan does it the way God wants, and you guide with discretion. And as it ends the verse, it says, you, he will never be shaken. What a verse. What a sentence. You see, when you have a plan, part of that plan is that you save for times that are a little bit rough. You save for vehicle breakdowns. You save for the unexpected, and you're never shaken. Wow. The economy drops. Inflation goes up. Ah, people are pulling their hair out. But the person with wisdom and a plan and a savings account and maybe some investing is, it's all right. We knew. We planned for this because never does finance stay like this. Goes up, goes down. A plan helps you not to be shaken and worried. And every time a new news thing comes out, you don't have to lose sleep. Scripture says the sleep of the righteous is sweet. Sleep is important, but sometimes life gets us thinking and sleep disappears. Having a plan matters. Making healthier homes financially. Have a healthy plan. If you don't, that's number one. Number two. Making healthy homes financially, you need to deal with addictions. Nobody has a healthy financial home when addictions are involved. The gentleman who speaks on the videos for this course, if you're going to be taking it, one of the things he says is, guaranteed, if there is addiction in the home, the home is broke. Addictions always rob. Addictions always take you down. At some point, they will. But let me give you some scripture. Isaiah 5, verse 11 says, You are doomed. You get up early in the morning to start drinking and spend long evenings getting drunk. It's an addiction, and he said, You're doomed. It'll take you down. It'll wear you out. It'll rob you of everything you have. That's how addictions work. Now, obviously, in the Bible times, they didn't have chemicals to put together to make Crazy drugs that kill people, but they had alcohol. And alcohol was the addiction of choice. And the Bible speaks to it often. Here's another scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 5. It says, you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. 
So be on your guard, not asleep like others. Stay alert, be clear-headed. A version maybe you've read, it says be sober or clear-headed is what this one says. I I liked it because it helps us understand what being sober means, clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. You see, any type of addiction always messes with your mind and your clear thinking. You see, where there's an addiction involved, there is not clear thinking because things that are important and matter get pushed to the back and addiction rules. Addictions must be dealt with if you want a healthy home financially. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 12 says, You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You see, addictions become cruel slave masters of the people they own. The addictions begin to own. The crazy thing is, no addiction starts as an addiction. It starts as a temptation and a pleasure, and often when people begin, it's the greatest thing they've ever done. They enjoy it, they like it, it feels pleasurable to the flesh. But when it becomes an addiction, suddenly it takes over. And when I say addictions are cruel slave masters, it's because I have seen them ruin lives and families and homes and businesses. And let me say it this way. Addictions are cruel slave masters because addictions don't care about their slaves. They don't care if their slaves lose all their possessions. Addictions don't care if their slaves lose their spouses. Addictions don't care if their slaves lose their children. Addictions do not care if their slaves lose their minds. And addictions do not care if their slaves lose their lives. You see, addictions will eventually own you and destroy you if you don't get free. You become chained to them like a slave, and I can tell you this, as a slave, that addiction will get you to spend every extra penny you have at some point until you're broken. Deal with addictions early. They're much easier to deal with early. I have some good news, though, about addictions. They are not the ultimate power. There's a power much greater than every addiction, and it is the name of Jesus. You see, Jesus was the one who came to make us free. John 8, 34 and 36 says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free... You are truly free. You see, Jesus wants to set you free. Jesus wants to make a way out for you. You do not have to stay there. Listen to 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. It says, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. Let me just say this right now. Anyone who's struggling with an addiction, there is a way out. You see, the enemy would love to tell you there is no hope 
It's all over. There's no way out. But he's a liar. There's a way out. There's a way out. If I can give anybody hope, maybe someone has felt trapped in something and you thought, there's just no hope for me. There's hope for you. There's a way out. There is a way out. And Jesus, the Son of God, came that we could be free. And he said, I want you free, truly free. So that's good. You're here maybe today, or maybe there's someone in your family who's struggling with an addiction, and you're like, okay, there's hope. That's great. There's hope. It's Jesus. Now what? How do I get out? I want to say this. The first thing you need to do is get prayer and get other people involved in your situation. The thing about an addiction, if you know it's an addiction, usually you know because you tried to stop yourself and you can't. That means you need help. You need others. So I'm going to tell you, get others around you that you trust. Get prayer, get accountability, and get people who will walk with you as you become free. James 5, verse 15, we read this. Is any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. And the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Do you know there are groups that help with addictions? And they are based around this, even if they're not Christian and don't know it. Getting together with other people and talking about your stuff and getting them to support you and keep you accountable is biblical. And if you can't do it alone, get people involved. Do not let addiction control you. Get them involved. Get prayer. We have a prayer time here at our church. We pray as a group while you're sitting there, but anybody is welcome to come at the end of service after we've dismissed and ask for personal prayer about stuff. We want to see people free. You know, maybe you're thinking, Pastor Dan really gets going on this stuff. Why? Because I've lived long enough to see some unbelievable, horrible stuff because of addictions. And I'm sick and tired of seeing the enemy through addictions destroy people's lives. So I got to tell you the truth. You see, a hidden addiction is just as bad as a visible addiction. You know, for some of us, maybe you look out there and you see that person addicted on the street and you're like, how could they ever get there? Oh, that's so horrible. But a hidden addiction is just as bad. It's taking your money, it's taking your passion, and it can destroy you and your family if you don't deal with it. God wants you free. I have no compassion for addiction. I have compassion for you. And I have compassion for the addicted. But oh my goodness, those of you who are healthy and strong, don't you ever cause somebody to stumble who doesn't have the strength you have. Pull them up. Don't let them down. You and I have Jesus who has the power to set anybody free. Let's be people who help set others free. And it begins with us. It begins with us. If there's something holding you back and you know it, get rid of it and start helping others. Because God has something good in store for you. All right, enough of that. Making healthier homes financially. 
have a plan, get free from addictions, and get out of debt. This is the next step to having a healthy home financially, get out of debt. Proverbs 22 and verse 7. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. I'm just going to read you a few. I'm going to go fairly quick here. Proverbs 22, 26. Don't agree to guarantee another person's debt or put up security for someone else. If you can't pay it, even your bed will be snatched from under you. Anybody who's been in such debt and lost everything knows how serious that is. It's a horrible feeling. And 1 Samuel 22, verse 1, I'm bringing this in because we're talking about debt and probably many of us have had debt or have debt. And I don't want you to feel horrible, but I want you to know there's a way to get free from it. And there's steps you can take. But let me read this to you to encourage you a little bit. 1 Samuel 22 and verse 1. It says, so David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Soon his brothers and all his other relatives joined him there. Then others began coming, men who were in trouble, in debt, or who were just discontented, until David was the captain of about 400 men. David had to run for his life because King Saul was trying to kill him. And suddenly he became the captain of a whole bunch of people who were in trouble, in debt, or just discontented with life. I have some good news for you today. If you're in trouble, you're welcome here. If you're in debt, you're most definitely welcome here. And if you're discontent with life, you're also welcome here. Why am I saying that? Because this is a place where people can come and get free and grow and learn and support one another. So if you're in trouble, we'll pray for you. We'll help you with that trouble. If you're in debt, we'll sign you up for a finance course and they'll show you how to slowly get out of debt. And if you're just discontented, I have some good news. We'll show you what the Bible says about abundant life and how to live content. So you are welcome. If your life has fallen apart because of addiction, you are welcome. I don't care what you've been through, you came to the right place. We will support you. We will help you because that's what God has asked us to do. And because every one of us has been down one of those paths we're talking about already. None of us here is perfect or done it all right. Not one of us can say that we've lived and never done it wrong. That's what makes me such a great preacher. I've made quite a few mistakes. <laughs> I get it. It's not always easy. Deuteronomy 28, verse 12. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work you do. You will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow from them. God wants to make you so blessed that you lend to others not having to borrow. Psalm 37, 21. The wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. Did you know you can't be a generous giver if you're in trouble with your finances, can you? We all know that. I remember thinking, boy, I'd like to help so-and-so, but I can't even pay my bills. I wish I could, but I can't. So God wants us to be healthy so that we can be generous. 
And that just brings me to my next point. To have healthier homes financially, we need to get to the point where we're generous. You see, being stingy is a bad idea. That also shouldn't be part of your financial plan. I'm just going to be real stingy. We're going to eat noodles five times a week and hot dogs the other five. You know, that's, that's not a good idea. Not healthy for your kids. Stingy isn't the way to see your home financially healthy. Being generous actually is, according to Scripture. Luke 6, 38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And Proverbs eleven twenty four, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Okay, I want to just make a point on this verse. He says, give freely and become more wealthy, which means they already have the wisdom of how to get wealth in the first place. You see, giving is not a way to get wealthy on its own. What do I mean? If I come up here and preach, oh, if you just give lots of money, you're going to just overflow, but you know nothing about wisdom of finances, you're in debt, you just spend your money as fast as you make it, you will give lots and be broke. You're like, oh, are you preaching the truth? I'm preaching the truth. I, I've seen the, uh, you know, I'm, I'm old enough, I saw the TV preachers who took everybody's money and promised them they'd all be rich. And many people were just still broke because they didn't understand finances and the wisdom of it. But when you understand the wisdom and you're generous, guaranteed God will pour back in. Let me give you some more scripture. Proverbs 19 and verse 17. If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. Listen, if you're generous to the poor, God says he'll repay you. That's a given. And I know something about God. When he pays back, he always pays back more because he's gracious, he's merciful. His mercies never end. He's not a penny pincher. It's like, you gave $10.15. Here's $10.14 back. No, no, no. He is generous. He's going to overflow you because you blessed those in need. That's how he is. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. This was a verse from uh, Paul to the Corinthians about giving. And they were actually taking a collection for the poor, for those that were in trouble at that time. And he's telling them, hey, when you give, treat it like planting seed. And don't be stingy if you want to get a good harvest back. So I want to just say this about this verse. Whenever you give, do not be like, well, I'm a Christian. I go to this church, so I have to give some money. There it goes. It's all gone now. I'll never see that again. That's a bad attitude. Anytime you give, say, I am planting this. I'm planting it in the Lord's field, good ground, and I know he's going to give me a harvest back. Even pray over it for a harvest to come back. You know, I've seen... Uh, people who pray over their offering before they drop it in that box. What they're doing is believing and speaking over it. This is seed, and it's going to re reproduce for me. That's faith, and God will answer that back. All right, my final 
point about having healthier homes financially. Who feels healthier already about their finances? Or maybe some of you are like, I feel less healthy. Thanks for all those verses. Okay. (laughs) But you're going to get healthy. You will, you will, you will. The first part to getting healthy is admitting that you need to get healthier. Some of what I'm sharing you today is just for some of you to say, maybe I could be healthier. And if you can get that and start taking steps, it is going to be good. It's going to be the best year ever. Make healthier homes financially by choosing not to live for wealth. You see, I just preached a message on finance, and I have to end by telling you this. Don't you dare chase wealth. Don't live your life to get rich. That's unhealthy. But let me give you a couple scriptures, and we will be finished up in about 10 minutes. 1 Timothy 6, verse 9. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Money is not evil, but a love and a passion that overtakes you to just go after money is the root of evil. In other words, if money becomes your number one goal in life, you will hurt people, you will have relationships fall apart, you will destroy others in the process of you getting rich. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, well, I I don't think that's me. I would never just go after money. I want to just say this. Let me just, I know God has told us to work and to do it with all our might, But there is also the side of, are you spending your life just to make money? It's called being a workaholic. Being a workaholic is not good for you or for your family or for your home. Mark 8.36 puts it like this. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Let me say that again. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Well, I'm just going to worry about my career. Maybe I'll do church when I'm older. Really? Well, it's, you know, I got to do this business and it's a little bit, you know, corrupt. So I'll do church after I get rich. Or what about, I'll do church a couple times a year because I'm way too busy. I got to make money. Oh, now we're getting too close to home. (laughs) You like it better when I talk about those addicts because it seems far away, right? Church, God wants you healthy. The number one goal in your life as a Christian, if you're a Christian, should be to serve Christ. Even if you're not a Christian, your family should come before your work. Most definitely if you're a Christian. Your spouse, your kids, your family matters more than making money. Let me read one more scripture today. Psalm 49, verse 6. They trust in their wealth and boast about how rich they are, Yet not one of them, through rich, though rich as kings, can ransom his own brother from the penalty of sin. For God's forgiveness does not come that way. For a soul is far too precious to be ransomed by mere earthly wealth. There is not enough of it in all the earth to buy eternal life for just one soul to keep it out of hell. You see, when we talk about finance, we need to be very clear that there is something far greater than gaining financial wealth. It 
is your eternal destiny. That is number one. You serving Christ with all your heart is number one. And I want to say this. If you're here today and you have never made a commitment to serve Christ, you've never asked him to forgive you and come into your life, you need to do that first. Because if I've given you some ideas and you're going to go out of here and get wealthy, but not make sure your eternity is ready and planned, then I've failed as a pastor. Because your eternity matters. Your destiny here on earth matters and Christ has a plan. But it begins with accepting Him. It begins with asking Him to come and to forgive you, to come into your life. When you begin with that, I tell you what, things get good. Maybe you served Him when you were younger and you thought it's just a waste of time. But today, you're realizing, you know what, I need to serve Him. It's what I was created for. My destiny does matter. My eternity, with Him or without Him, most definitely matters. Today is the day to make that decision. And if you come to our church, you know that I give opportunity almost every service. If you came today and you have not yet asked Christ to be in your life, we're going to give you opportunity. You see, it's called being saved, or there's different terms for it. We say here, are you wanting to follow Christ? If you are, this is how it begins. Are you wanting to know that heaven will be your final home this is how you do it. You see, Jesus made it simple. I love that he didn't complicate things because I'd have been in trouble. He made it simple, very simple. And he said, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. If you're here today and you believe Jesus died for you, you believe he has a plan and he can forgive you, then we're going to give you opportunity to use your mouth and I'm going to ask you to repeat a prayer after me. There's no power in this prayer, but if you believe and use your words, God will save you. So bow with me. Let's repeat that prayer right now. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I ask you now, forgive me of all I've done wrong. Make me new. Use my life. I thank you now. I am saved. Amen. Give God praise for that this morning.